By the way, quick uh, note on our discussion about siblings. You guys both claim to be the golden child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like the silver child. There was somebody above me, but I was still <laughs> You were trying real hard, though. Yeah, I, was just, I just wasn't a bleephead like uh, my older brother and my youngest sister. Um, is, there, is there something about being the golden child that leads you to doing sports radio? I definitely was better at sports because I wanted to be. And so I think that inadvertently led me down the road and continued to pursue that. But also at the bare foundation of this, I just wanted to listen to the sports radio with my dad. And so I'm like, oh, you have to listen to my sports takes now. (laughs) (laughs) Golden child into this job? Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's High achiever. Com- that's too complicated All right, for me. Too many steps. I'm There's just way asking. too many steps. You became asking. a journalist, though. I feel like that's journalist. a that's a a career path that a lot of good people go down because you're trying to you're trying to bring truth forward. You're trying to be the observers of of history as it happens, right? Yeah, I'm a sports writer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're changing lives, Ed. Give yourself some credit. Apple TV could be the home of Pac-12 sports. This is from the New York Post. Um, Apple TV is emerging as a potential landing spot for Pac-12 college football rights with ESPN, Amazon Prime, and Fox Sports lukewarm on the league. Apple could end up being the platform for the Pac-12, according to sources. I wonder if this means, uh, depending on the payout that they're going to receive, if Oregon and Washington really try to get out of there. Yeah, I... That's the curious part to me because the way this story is framed makes it sound like Pac- the Pac-12 has no leverage. No. That it's like, oh, Apple TV Nobody wants them whatever they wanted. The other interesting part to me, though, is the time slots of college football. Because, like, take ESPN, for example. They want to have a college football game on their networks from... 9 9 a.m. on Saturday Pacific Pacific time all the way to like until like midnight Pacific time or whatever time the the West Coast game ends. And, you know, Fox has FS1. I'm surprised that that there's not at least a little bit more interest in having at least some of the Pac-12 media rights because you get an entire conference that can play you those, you know, those West Coast games. Yeah. Yeah. 7 p.m. Pacific kickoff that's 10 p.m. on the East Coast. And that's, there's value in that. So I'm surprised that there's not a little bit more interest from the actual television networks. Maybe some of them are like, well, we've got some Mountain West. And maybe some of them are saying, you know, we'll have the occasional USC or UCLA home game in the Big Ten. But I just figured there'd at least be a, a partial package that ESPN or Fox would be interested in to fill those late time slots. I don't know if the Washington state president was supposed to float this. <laughs> he kind of floated the Apple TV thing. And I don't know if he was supposed to do that just yet. Maybe he's trying to get to the big 12, exactly. but Washington state's always the one left over. Yeah, Washington state's when, not going anywhere. When they decide who leaves, it's like, all right, Washington Boy. and Oregon are going to the big 10. Washington state, you're staying. Four teams are going to the uh, big, big 12, 12. And then it's like Washington state's left over looking at Oregon state. Right. Like what happened to you? Right. I wonder if they're waiting to see, and, and maybe this is too recent of news for it to have an impact on like this information, but the whole Sinclair and all the, the streaming rights and the broadcast rights for baseball and all their stuff. Maybe they're waiting for bigger fish to figure themselves out. Well, Sinclair. Because there's gonna, only so many hundred of million of dollar deals that you can swing, and so I don't know. If, like you said, Pac-12 isn't exactly the bell of the ball. Yeah, I not the golden child. That's for sure. It's no. they are not. 
They're the bleep. Yeah. <laughs> what did you call her? The bleep head. Yeah. The bleep head. <laughs> they're not even, honestly, they're not even the bleep head. They're just kind of forgotten about. Yeah. yeah. They're they're the Harry yeah. Potter. They're underneath the stairs. Yeah. Like the SEC is probably the bleep head. Yeah, because they, they can do whatever they, they want. They do whatever they want. Yep. Right. Big, they t- big they Ten is golden They've child. They've got the vein in their, in yeah. their, in their forehead. <laughs> yep. 100%. Daddy had a breakaway. Oh, I love that one. AJ Brown wants the Eagles to sign Jalen Hurts. He was on the Raw Room podcast and said, you don't pay me, or excuse me, you don't pay this man, just ship me off wherever he's going to go. You talk about pressure, Howie, get it done. So calling out his own front office by name, saying that if you don't pay Jalen Hurts to just trade AJ Brown, Hurts has one more season on his rookie deal, so it's not like he's a free agent or anything. Um, but he wasn't a first-round pick, so there's no fifth-year option to pick up. He would be, if they don't give him an extension, he would be a free agent after next season. They're going to pay him. They have to. Yeah, they're going to pay him. It would appear so. The The only question to me is, do they pay him this offseason? Or next. Or do they wait and almost say, hey, be an MVP candidate again. Right. And that'll. And if you are, here's you know one of the two or three biggest contracts. Million a year. If you have some sort of a step back, then all right, you're the eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback. But I would guess if you're the Eagles, you end up signing him this offseason. Right. Because yeah. generally speaking, it's not good if you have a quarterback that you think is your guy and you let him go into a year where he will be a free agent at yeah. the end of it. Take right. care of your guys. Yeah. He's yeah. not only good, but he's an unbelievable leader. Like, I hate Philadelphia. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I hate the city. I hate the Phillies. I hate the 76ers. And I'm damn sure that I hate those Flyers, except for Gritty. I like Gritty and Jalen Hurts because I'm so inspired by his story and, and how he approaches his process. Pay that guy. Gritty or Chance right now? Gritty. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I, uh... What was the question again? I'm sorry. I just got. <laughs> All right. This is a fairly complicated story. Hopefully I don't uh, get any of the details wrong. So in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a woman, um, Jamia Jonah Harris was shot and killed uh, a month and a half ago. She was shot and killed by a man named Michael Davis, who is not a member of the Alabama basketball team. However, he's friends with people that are on the Alabama basketball team. And the gun that Michael Davis used to shoot and kill uh, Harris was given to him by a guy named Darius Miles, who was on the Alabama basketball team. Darius Miles and Michael Davis are facing charges. They were actually indicted yesterday on these charges. None of that's new information. What is new information from yesterday is that Brandon Miller, who is Alabama's best player, it was his gun. And he gave the gun to Darius Miles, who then gave it to Michael Davis, that was then used to shoot and kill uh, Jamia Jone Harris. Brandon Miller is not being charged with anything, even though it was his gun and he gave it to somebody who then gave it to somebody. And then it was used to murder somebody. That's weird, right? So if it's your gun, you're supposed to be in it, right? The I can I think it was the sheriff. I, I might be misidentifying who actually said this from the police department, but uh, there was a quote yesterday from somebody within the police department it was like, "We don't have a crime to charge him with," and the the logic they're trying to follow is that he's you, you can't apparently be an accessory to an accessory to murder. 
because the teammate who is being charged is an accessory to right. murder. Because he, gave, he, gave, he gave the right. gun, he gave the gun to the he guy the who actually man. committed it. They're apparently saying, well, you can't be an accessory to the accessory, so we don't have anything to charge him. Right. I feel like that's wrong. I do too, but I don't yeah. know enough about this. Right. I don't know, but that's sort of the logic that's being followed that, there. If, that's, if the law isn't written that way, the law isn't written that way. It's different everywhere. But on the basketball side of this, or at least how the basketball team is handling this, Nate Oates is the head coach of Alabama. Yesterday when he talked about this, I'll read one of his quotes. We knew about that, talking about Brandon Miller's involvement. We knew about that. Can't control everything everybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong spot at the wrong time. <laughs> My God. NATO had to apologize an hour later for such he a did. stupid statement. Put out a statement later, apologize. Even though we had all the details, that. we did not have all the details. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, wrong place, wrong, wrong time for a guy with a gun. Yes. Passing it on to someone who passed it on for a, for a murder. And from the police report, AL.com, by the way, has a very detailed story on this. From the police report, this wasn't a situation where Brandon Miller gave his gun away like a month earlier. He gave him the gun that day. Yes. Like it's it, this is within like, a, I think, a six hour time period or something like that. Maybe even less than that. He gave him the gun that day. So it's not like, oh, he gave his teammate a gun and then two months later it was used. It was that day. But he's not being charged with anything. And Alabama, at least so far, hasn't suspended or punished Brandon Miller, who, again, is their best player. And Alabama's in line to get a one seed in the NCAA right. tournament, right? There's obviously a lot of right. basketball reasons that Alabama would not punish Brandon Miller. But I honestly, I don't even know what the right thing to do is if you're Alabama. Like, he isn't being charged not, with a crime. Here's the right thing not to do. Don't say wrong spot at the right. wrong time. A very flippant the, remarks. Yes. Like, a woman is dead. Right. Yes. I just, I don't know if you're Alabama what you're, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, do you suspend him? You suspend him for having a gun in the first place. Well, I mean, if he if has he, it legally, I don't think no. you can do that. Yeah. I mean, especially in state like Alabama. Somebody had a gun legally. And there's no reporting of why he gave it to Miles? My, he asked for it. Darius Miles asked him for his gun. And, and he, he brought, just handed it and over. He brought him his gun. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be more to come out of this story and more Probably. to develop. Yeah. Between this story and the New Mexico State men's basketball team, oh. I mean, I know that people have been running around doing stupid stuff for forever, but what the hell's going on? Like, wh who, who, are, who are you recruiting? What's going on? Well, New Mexico State was a complete disaster. That's... But you got to choose people and characters to bring into your program. And if you can't sniff out whether or not people are capable of certain actions that have transpired, I don't know how you're a coach. I don't know how you're a coach and you make a statement like that and still have a job. Yeah, like you, you're, you're, the, the lack of humanity is staggering. Yeah. Top five team in the country. Tyler had the best word. That was about as flippant as possible. Yeah. That guy was just... And again, that's why as Twitter blew up and yeah. and people started writing about it, he apologized within an hour. Because most people, at least the reactions I saw yesterday, weren't so much about, oh, Brandon Miller has to be punished. It no. was more about, no, but it was what the hell's wrong Nate with Nate Oates? Take, the, take the situation seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, out of respect to people. Unbelievable. Okay. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nevada beat San Jose State yesterday, 66-51. It was at, San Jose State was actually leading for a majority of this game, but Nevada blew the doors off of them in the uh, last 10-15 minutes. Uh, San Jose State now 7-8 and eight on the year. UNLV can still catch them, uh, but San Jose State has a real shot at getting the five seed and getting a bye. Nevada is third in the Mountain West at 11-4. and four. They are still unbeaten at home this year. They are... Uh, Lock is probably too strong at this point, but Nevada is close to being a lock for the NCAA tournament. Like this is a team that has kind of come out of nowhere to be really good. Yep. And it's probably going to be like a 10 seed, but they're almost going right. to be, it looks like they're going to be guaranteed a spot in the NCAA tournament when the Mountain West tournament starts. Last four buys right now yeah. in Lenardi. So yeah. he has them in. So if they continue to win and, you know, UNLV gets some final game of the season, that could deliver quite a blow to him if UNLV were to pull off a win there. Uh, but they've got a real good shot to get in and be, uh, you know, with San Diego State and Boise State, who are basically locks at this point. Nevada would be the third, and then maybe Utah State can find a way in. They'd have to make a run. Yeah, they beat Wyoming last night. Um, yeah, they'd have to make a run. But Utah State might. Utah State's probably going to be the legitimate bubble team in the Mountain West that yeah. needs to do something during the Mountain West tournament. New Mexico's kind of fallen to a point where they might be kind of out of it unless they win the Mount, or Mountain West tournament. Still holding out hope for eight over seven, given the deadline possibilities. Oh, uh, Fresno State won yesterday, so that was a good win if you're hoping UNLV gets the 8-9 seed. That is a good one yes. because of the tiebreaker. Yes, you want Fresno State to win. and because Fresno, Fresno State, State won? Yeah, they beat Air Force yesterday, Air Force, okay. I believe. Right. So okay. that that's a good win for UNLV. If, well, well, for it's you good, and me. It's good, yeah, yes. For you and, <laughs> and me, that's really all we care yeah. about. A seven seed, eight seed, who really cares except what time you play during the day, <laughs> exactly. and that's what we care about. <laughs> all right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll stick with some basketball as we talk about UNLV. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Rebound tipped taken by McCabe. He shoots a three and he hits it. Jordan McCabe with a fallaway three cuts the lead 2-3 with 43.7 seconds to go. This is the Press Box. UNLV basketball, they play again on Friday. Um, but I've got, a, I've got a question for you. And I've actually asked this uh, earlier in the season as well. Do you think Kevin Kruger knows what his best lineup is right now? I think he knows. I don't know if he always plays it. <laughs> so they, the last game they played against Boise state, they didn't have Luis Rodriguez. They didn't have Eli Parquet. Uh, they were out with injuries, which contributes to this, but the closing lineup that Kevin Kruger used in that game was Jordan McCabe, EJ Harkless, Justin Webster, Shane Noel, and David Mawaka. Keyshawn Gilbert got benched in that game. Cause Keyshawn Gilbert had five turnovers yeah. and they were, not good turnovers. Like they were like, what are you doing, dude? Like, just don't turn the ball over. So that if at any point I had said, well, McCabe, Harkless, Webster, Noel, and Milwaukee was your closing five. That would have been a shocking lineup right. to put out right. there, but some injuries, Gilbert, not playing well. It, it led kind to of, it. Right. It made somewhat of sense there. When we talk about this season and sort of what matters the rest of the way, it's all about what can you do in the mountain West tournament, right? Can you win the mountain West tournament? And so what that means is, is that it, it's it's not really that important that Kevin Kruger knows what his best lineup is when they play again on Friday. It's not that important that he knows what his best lineup is right now. But what is important is when the Mountain West tournament starts, when they're in that first round, does he know what his best lineup is then? And I'm curious to see sort of what it looks like 
the rest of the last three games of this regular season, who's getting playing time and who's getting the sort of final four to five minutes in a close game. Because I think that's the most telling of who he thinks his best five are. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at the stats here. Shane Noel and Justin Webster shooting it like crazy from three. I think, I mean, shouldn't they be on the floor? I think there's a legitimate argument that Webster and Noel should be playing heavy minutes. And Webster has recently last two games. Webster's played, I think 32 in each. He led them in minutes, I think against Boise state too. But I think there's a legitimate argument for Webster and Noel to be playing playing a lot of minutes because Noel this year is shooting 40% from three. Now he's only taken 32, so it's not really a big sample size, but he keeps knocking down threes. And by the way, my favorite thing about Shane Noel is a fun prop bet would be, will he shoot or will he dribble first in a game? Because three or four times this year, he has taken a three before he has dribbled the basketball. First time he's touched. Yes. First time he touches a three is going up before he dribbles it, but he's shooting 40%. He's shooting 43% Mount West play. Justin Webster, who has taken a lot, actually has made 46% of his threes on the year. And is at 49% in mountain West play. Here's the issue that, or here's why I think those two should be playing some pretty heavy minutes. EJ Harkless is not a good shooter. He's shooting 27% from three. And Kevin Kruger is going to play a center at all times, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's Iwako, sometimes Keyshawn Hall. But when it's Milwaukee and Iwako, they don't have they don't shoot threes. They don't even attempt threes. So with Harkless and your center position, you always have two non-shooters on the floor, which means your other three spots almost have to be shooters. And the problem I think UNLV's run into. Eli Parquet is a bad shooter. Luis Rodriguez is slightly below average, right? He had he started off hot, but he's he's struggled recently. So what I think right now, if they were fully healthy, I think Kevin Kruger would put Harkless, Gilbert, Parquet, Rodriguez, and Milwaukee, Milwaukee on, on the floor. floor. And there's, not Noel. There's one shooter that's any good, and that's Keyshawn Gilbert. Keyshawn. There's four guys that are non-shooters in that, and I think that's what he would put out as his best lineup, where I think it's going to make life a lot easier for EJ Harkless and Keyshawn Gilbert if if Webster and if Noel are on the floor because those two can shoot, and if you leave them to help on and Harkless... And the center, because there's going to be a right. center. And if you leave them to help on Harkless, those you can kick it out and those two can knock down threes. Whereas right now, if it's Parquet or Rodriguez and Harkless drives and kicks it out, you're either not even getting a shot or they're missing the threes. Right. So... It's a worse defensive lineup. Rodriguez is good defensively. Parquet is good defensively. But I think that's going to give them the best chance to win is getting those two on the floor more just because it gives you spacing. And and your best player, Harkless is your best player. The thing he needs the most is space to drive. And if you can help him out with that, I think it goes a long way to helping UNLV. Milwaukee still should be there oh as the God. best center. It is. It's almost comical how how this continues to happen. So... The Boise State game, when David Mwaka was on the floor, they outscored Boise State by seven points. When David Mwaka was on the bench and Victory Waco played, they were outscored by 11 points. Uh, Mwaka did play more minutes than Iwako, but he still only played 22 minutes of the 40. Over the last five games, UNLV is plus 34 when David Mwaka plays. They're minus 51 when David Milwaukee's on the bench. And he's only played 47% of UNLV's minutes over the last five games. 
he's really good defensively. He absolutely prevents tons of layups from the opponent. If uh, maybe there's a conditioning, maybe there's a fatigue issue and that could limit how many minutes he's effective. But I feel like David Milwaukee, we've gotten to a point where Kruger's put him back in the starting lineup and he's playing more minutes than Iwako. But now I'm saying, I think you got to play him 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think he's got to be out there for 30 minutes. He plays 30 minutes against Boise. They might win the game. They might. They absolutely might win that game. I think he's got to be playing 30 minutes. And again, maybe, you know, he hits a wall at 25 minutes or something and he's just not as effective and that's perfectly fine. And you, you don't play him over that, but if that wall doesn't exist, then I think he's got to be out there for 30 minutes because defensively they are so much better with him on the floor. Oh, just, you put him in a ball screen and victory Walko's just not very good. He's just not a great defensive player. Mwaka is excellent. And Kruger has slowly put him back in the starting lineup, given him more minutes. But I think we're at a point where he needs to be playing 30 something minutes a game because they are much again in a five game stretch plus 34 with him minus 51 without him. That's 85 points and a difference over the course of five games. That's a that's that's massive Massive difference. And every single one of those five, they've been better with Milwaukee on than with him on the bench. It's an it's well, an maybe number. it is a conditioning thing. It might be. That's that it might be perfectly valid. If it was like, hey, he's got twenty five good ones. Right. If he goes more than twenty five minutes, his effectiveness starts to wear off and you know, he's just not as good, that's that's perfectly fine. And you just have to make do with him being on the bench. But yeah, you to be honest though, you are you might be at a point where him being less effective still might be better than what Victory Walko's giving you. It might be. And then I'll still put these two things together. Shane Noel and Justin Webster shooting combined with David Milwaukee and how good he is when he's on the floor versus how bad they are when he's off the floor. I think they need to play some five guard lineups. I think yeah. there are absolutely times when they should like, Hey, Luis Rodriguez, you're playing the center position for us because we're getting Gilbert Noel and uh, Justin Webster on the, on floor, the floor together because those are our three best shooters and, or maybe McCabe, you could throw in there, whatever, but we're getting all three of those guys on the floor together because we need shots. Yeah. So I think there's a legitimate reason they should try some five guard lineups in these last three games. Cause again, winning and losing these last three games. Yeah. It matters. Cause you don't want to lose, but it's not really that important compared to, no, they're going to have to win likely four and four days, right? Figuring out what works. And if you lose a game in these next three, but you figure out oh, the best lineup for the tournament, right? A five guard lineup works or doesn't work. You could put it out there and it could be awful, but you find that out. That's probably worth it because you need to win the Mountain West tournament. Right. All right. Coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. So we don't have Jason Fitz, which is less than a surprise. Um, Oh, we do have Jason Fitz. Look at this. Right there in the go. nick of there time. There we go. Right at the time. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm so hey, good. Buddy. So let me tell you the, the incredible timing here. My phone decided to start an update like 10 minutes ago. And as it was finally restarting, you were calling. It's that, oh. it's that level of profession. Look imp- at us. It's impeccable. Works. See, I, know. I got, I got it, into work today, opened my laptop, and my laptop says your Mac is optimizing. I was like, I don't know what the hell that means, but you better get it together in the next 20 minutes because I got a radio show to do. Did, did it? Did it come together? It did. did it actually work out. Okay. It did. It got it together. Yeah, it's a good optimizing. show. I don't even know what that means. Never seen it, optimizing it, before, but it happened. 
Well, uh, you know, it, it means now your uh, your laptop's going to run even more. Your laptop's like the XFL. It's only going to get better and better and better. <laughs> Were you surprised that Derek Carr is going to be a first t- first ballot Hall of Famer? <laughs> I mean, that speaks to... Hold on, how, hold on, how, Jason. How Jason, I don't know what your phone did, but you sound terrible. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes you sound yes. great Can you hear now. me now? Okay. Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, look, if he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, that speaks to how long NFL quarterbacks can play because he's got a lot of work to do in the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years to get there. And then to, to do it with the Jets, I mean, off the top of our head, can anybody name a first ballot Hall of Famer born in our lifetime that uh, played quarterback for the Jets? So, I mean, I had no idea he was going to do unprecedented things that the Jets weren't capable of ever doing before as a franchise. So uh, the sales pitch is just, it's a little throw up in your mouth heavy. But, uh, but I do think he would have success with that roster. Hold on. If you're Derek Carr and the Jets tell you with a straight face, hey, you come here, you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid about yourself? Or are you looking at the Jets saying, hold on, if you guys believe that, maybe I shouldn't want to come play here? Yeah, no, that's the moment. And, and look, I, like anybody that's been lucky enough to have some success uh, in most entertainment industry, at some point you have to sit down and, and interview agents. you got to figure out who you want to be your agent. If my agent looked at me and said, I can make you bigger than Stephen A., I would never sign with that agent because if he'll lie to my face right then, he'll lie to my face forever. Like, if, if a team says, first ballot Hall of Famer, then I know that, man, they're just going to tell me what I want to hear every step of the way. That would be a turnoff for me in this process. But I don't know. I feel like Derek Carr, like, he's the type of guy that really likes to be loved and appreciated. He's the type of quarterback that, that says, I love you and wants you to stay back. So, you know, I think they're speaking a little bit of a love language in their sales pitch. I'm not mad at it. I just think it's a little unreasonable in that process. All right. So he didn't leave with a contract, it appears. He didn't leave with what they would pay him, even though, like we said earlier, if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, you would have thought they'd offered him a, a ton of money, but they apparently didn't so far. Uh, would you, if you're them, wait till the man comes out of the darkness, or do you think Carr's the best fit for them? Uh, I think Carr's the best fit for them because the man comes out of the darkness and every year he might decide to go back in. Plus, like <laughs> Jeff Darlington said it this morning on Get Up, like he, he's talked to a Packers source that believes that Green Bay Green Bay is confident that you know Aaron Rodgers is going to go back to Green Bay. So if I'm the Jets, I'm not messing around waiting on somebody that every year needs to sit in the cave to figure out if he wants to play football. I'm going to give myself the chance to get somebody that's relatively young in the position that I know can hold down the fort for the next three or four years. Like that. That makes a lot of sense in my mind. So I, I wouldn't have let him get out of the building altogether. And by the way, if Aaron Rodgers comes out of the darkness and decides that Green Bay, he's got unfinished business with the Packers, and the price of Derek Carr just went up because now you've got even more teams that are going to bid on trying to get Derek Carr as their quarterback. So I think this is a huge mistake by the Jets, not giving him whatever it took to keep him in the building once he was there. All right, I got a hypothetical for you. Uh, Lamar Jackson becomes available in a trade. The Ravens franchise tag him. Lamar says he's not playing on it. Please trade me. You're in charge of the Raiders. Are you sending multiple first-round picks and fully guaranteeing a contract for Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback? Yep, in a heartbeat. Not even waiting a second. I'm saying, perfect. If they do the non-exclusive franchise tender, then I'm sending the two picks right away and a basket of flowers and saying thanks for the former MVP. And I know... People have their issues with Lamar Jackson, but look, I mean, you, there, there's, you have a better chance of C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, unfortunately. Uh, statistically, we have a better chance of one of them ending up being Jamarcus Russell or Zach Wilson than we do of either of them being Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson has been an MVP, and frankly, 
I think the Ravens are as responsible for hamstringing him as, as anything in that offense. Like uh, it, with Petrino at Louisville, he ran, ran a pro-style offense and did it very well. So if I'm Mark Davis and I can bring a former NFL MVP that's 26 years old into the fold and I can do that with a fully guarantee, I don't care about the money. Like all these guys make more money. And frankly, I, I, because I'm this weenie, I had our stats and info group run all of the numbers. And I've been saying this repeatedly for, for several months. But there is no statistical empirical data that shows that, that it is easier to win a Super Bowl on a contract for a rookie quarterback than on a contract for a high paid quarterback. So, uh, because my show staff uh, agreed or disagreed with me vehemently yesterday, we went in and we had them run the playoff numbers. And in the last decade, 47 or 46 percent of the quarterbacks that have made the playoffs in the last decade counted for the top 10 percent of the salary cap at their position in the year that they made it. So 54% did not, 46% did. There is literally no supporting data as much as everybody wants to make it a thing that you can't win if you pay your quarterback. It simply means, as we saw this year with the Chiefs, you better be good at everything else. So you can pay Patrick Mahomes 20% of the salary cap as long as you do the rest of the things well. So if Dave Ziegler believes he can be a good GM and that he can maximize drafts the way previous GMs didn't, then, of course, I'm – I'm going to have to give up multiple first-round draft picks to move up for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Multiple. And if I'm going to have to do that, then why wouldn't I give up multiple to get myself a former MVP that I've actually seen play successfully in the NFL? Come on. I think that's the offense Petrino ran at UNLV. Oh, that's a good yeah, offense the pro, here. The pro-style yeah. offense. He was there about It was six. definitely fast-paced. Yeah, it was fast-paced. Like, yeah. I was so excited about UNLV football for like 18 <laughs> seconds. It was, exactly. it was the number of my friends that text me because I text everybody. I was like, Petrino. Wow, I mean, we could talk about the character stuff, but what an offense! And then a day later, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, yep, there we go. He gone. Can't have nice things. Is it obvious that they will tag Josh Jacobs? Um, I think probably, but also if I'm Josh Jacobs, I, I just again, this is very much like the more If I'm Josh and they tag me, I don't go anywhere near the field. I just don't. And I, I mean, in a world, frankly, where you're looking around saying, "I just did that for you." Like, I would hold their feet to the fire. I would hold out as long as I possibly could until I have to come in to not lose the year altogether. Um, and when I came in, I would uh, I would make sure that my hamstring was sore. Oh. Like, I would just, I, 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 just frankly, at this point, you can't ask any human being to do more than Josh Jacobs did last year. So it is not unfair for him to want a three-year contract, a four-year contract. Now, does it make sense to pay running backs? No. As a human being, I hate saying, just turn them and burn them. But if you're the Raiders, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to turn him and burn him, then you've got to let him go somewhere else. If you're going to try and pin him in to play on the franchise tag, then he has every right to say, no, nah, I'm good, thank you, but no, thank you. And, and frankly, the way he keeps talking, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Uh, I don't know what they would actually get in return, but how likely do you think they could tag him and then ultimately trade him to a team that would want to pay him? I, I just That's hard because, man, do you want to pay a running back when obviously we all know the draft value, but – when you got somebody like B. John Robinson that you'll be able to get at the bottom of the first round, top of the second round, I mean, man, you'd have to be you'd have to be running back thirsty. Tony Pollard's going to be out there too. You know, we'll see what the the Cowboys do with Zeke. Obviously, I, I don't know. I, I think it's tough. I just don't think there's a ton of trade value for a running back that you know the whole league's going to make you play chicken on. Uh, I, I tag and trade makes a lot of sense. I just don't know if you'll find somebody else that wants to buy into the logic. I want to go back to something Ziegler said this week in terms of they don't know if they'll even know what a long-term answer a quarterback is. What what does that translate to you in terms of if he, when he said that? Uh, 
that to me was one of the smartest answers I've heard a GM say in a long time. And I know that sounds weird to everybody, but I just keep thinking about the fact that, frankly, when you're picking, picking a seven, you don't control your own destiny. You don't know what you're going to be able to do. You don't know what the other offers are going to look like. You don't know what market value is going to be to trade up. So you may be stuck in a situation where the only quarterbacks that fall to you are quarterbacks you don't like. So all of a sudden, even though you know you don't have Derek Carr, like we all presume that they didn't break up with their – that they when they broke up with their existing girlfriend, they knew they had somebody else. Well, what, what happens when you just look around and you're like, well, I'm not happy here. I don't know what's next, but i got to figure it out. And I, I think that was the Raiders' approach with Derek Carr. I, I think they knew they had to move on, but I don't necessarily think they had a set answer coming in. They don't control whether or not they can even acquire Aaron Rodgers. They don't control who's going to be available to them in the draft. So when you don't have any control over the controllables, like frankly, if, if as a fan, if I want the Raiders to get great, then the answer to that is not reach a quarterback at seven for somebody you shouldn't be taking. The answer is take the best thinking player available to you at seven and make the whole roster better. Treat this whole thing like the 49ers who spent years building a roster and not listening to any of the outside noise quarterback position to the point that when they screwed up the draft on the quarterback position, didn't even send them back. Like, think about that. Like, that is the smart way to approach it. I just don't think, I don't think the Raiders are going to reach. I don't think the Raiders should reach. And I think fans that expect a superstar quarterback are going to be really disappointed coming this fall. All right, uh, non-sports question. What's the last concert you went to? Uh, Need to Breathe. Uh, Need to Breathe is a like a Christian sort of rock band. Uh, I guess they started in Christian Roof, but they're, they're a rock band. Uh, and I absolutely love Need to Breathe Live, and I saw them acoustic um, a while, like, I don't know, last year, late last year? Uh, Need to Breathe doing an acoustic thing was, was really incredible. They never miss a note. They, they sing and play their tails off. Need to Breathe. If you've never heard Need to Breathe, go check them out. It's great, 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 great band. Why? Uh, just curious, just didn't know how often Jason Fitz goes to concerts. And another completely unrelated question. Do you brush your teeth right before you go to the dentist? Uh, well, don't we all? Like, because we have that complex, like, it's going to make a difference. I, I, I don't know what difference uh, anybody thinks it is going to make. Uh, but, yeah, no, we definitely, uh, we definitely, yeah, everybody does. And, by the way, on the concert front, I should tell you, you ask how often I go to concerts. Uh, this morning, I bought tickets to see Jelly Roll in one concert. If you have never checked them out, a uh, cool country artist. And the revivalists. Uh, I got tickets to both. I paid money for these things. Look at me. I'm growing. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Jason, for paying money to go watch music uh, musicians when that's what you did for uh, the first half of your career. Yeah. No. I used. Oh man. I I just lied to you too. I realized I saw Chris Young a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't. That was my last concert. Man, go see Chris Young live. By the way, great. Never misses a note. Also, great singer. <laughs> He's Jason Fitz, our musical expert. You can hear him right here on ESPN Radio after us on Harry and Fitz. Jason, we appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. So there's Jason Fitz um, always uh, giving us some musical updates. But now we got tickets to give away to go to the Mountain West Tournament. Here's how it works. Right now, you win a pair of tickets to go to a session of the Mountain West Tournament. Those are yours. You're also entered to win. A VIP package, which includes parking, it includes food, it includes drinks, and it includes tickets to all sessions of the Mountain West Tournament. You're qualified to win that. You take home two tickets to any uh, to a Mountain West session right now, though. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. If you want to go to the Mountain West Tournament, be caller 8 at 702-364-1100. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. 23 of the most important games of my career for a regular season. Type of mindset that I, that I have, and uh, the guys will have coming back off the break.
Forget about LeBron because I have more important things to share. I love when I can give a wild take uh, and then go look and back it up. It's one of my favorite things to do. If you missed earlier in the show, I told you that Paul Cotter is better than Patrick Kane. Lindsay's not very happy with that. But well, do you, are you saying that overall or this season? Like you got to be more specific because I take things literally. And I take I that as you saying that Paul Cotter is better than Patrick Kane inherently. The player to help win the Golden Knights, the Stanley Cup this year. Well, I've okay, taken well, Paul Cotter before Patrick Kane. Well, yeah, because Paul Cotter's on our team. <laughs> I don't have to give up anything to get him. Give it a week, and so will Patrick Kane. Well, maybe you will. Yeah, one more week, and they'll have to. But you honestly think that if they added Patrick Kane, that it would worsen their chances to win the Stanley Cup? If he replaced Paul Cotter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes! They, they ship out Paul Cotter. And you're ruining the bet! Yes. The, the genuine answer to that question yeah. is, if it's not that adding Patrick Kane would make their chances worse. It's that I think adding... Timo Meyer and like one or two other players gives you a better chance than than just adding Patrick Kane. Because because okay. okay. Meyer's salary, I can't remember off the top of my head, is six million or something like that. Five million. It's right. like half basically half, half of what But you'd have to probably makes. sign him to an extension, which this team really can't I mean, you don't do. have to. Well he's a UFA, isn't he? Well, they trade, oh, you can flip his rights they for trade, sure. They trade players for cash considerations yeah. all the time. Yeah, but there, there's there's only so many little puzzle pieces you can whittle mm. away. There's always a new puzzle. So here's your Paul Cotter Patrick Kane stats. So first oh off. God. These are just five on five. We're not looking at power play or penalty kill. Not that either one does that second Thank part. God. Um, at five on five this year, Patrick Kane has played 814 minutes. Paul Cotter's only played 491. So over, like counting stats are going to be in Patrick Kane's favor. So these are per minute numbers, right? How good are these guys each minute they're out there? Paul Cotter this year compared to Patrick Kane, more goals, more points, more individual expected goals, more rush attempts, fewer giveaways, more takeaways, more hits, more blocked shots. Also has a higher Corsi and higher expected goals rate. And Patrick Kane starts more shifts in the offensive zone than Paul Cotter. Patrick Kane does have more assists, more shots, and creates more rebounds with his shots than Paul Cotter does. But that's it. Those are the only three things that he has that he does better on a permanent basis this season than Paul Cotter. I what? hope he'd have more shots after the discrepancy in minutes. <laughs> what? No, that's a per minute. He shoots more oh, per, it's per minute. minute. Okay. Yeah. Per minute. So that's okay. how we break down hockey okay. in that in that generalization. But who who do you think it's more important for them to be a bigger factor in their career at this juncture in, in terms of production? Paul Cotter or Patrick Kane? You think Paul Paul Cotter wasn't going to be on this roster? Coach, what do you want me to do? I'll do that and more. You want me to go block a shot? I'll go block a shot with my teeth and then use my leg to to hit the puck in on the other side of that. Like, of course he's going to be doing everything. Of course he's going to have more minutes. Of course he's going to be playing harder hockey because he's trying to earn a spot in the league or just earn a spot on a higher line, mate. Are you making my argument for me? I don't that know. Sounds I can't like tell. the exact I can't player tell. I want on I the ice. I don't really know. But that <laughs> I, I just, stats don't tell the whole story. Just they do in this case. Well, because you've conveniently only chosen these particular crayons to I, I color with. Three. I want to go go with all of the colors of the wind. I gave you three that Kane was better than. He's more assist, more total shots, and right. creates more rebounds. But but Patrick Kane inherently is a better player than Paul Cotter. Maybe not if you go 34-year-old Patrick Kane versus 24-year-old Cotter. Sure, one's going to skate a little bit harder than the other. Yeah. But you cannot say that Paul Cotter is a better hockey player than Patrick Kane, who is inarguably the greatest American player to ever lace up. I don't like Patrick Kane. I don't like Patrick <laughs> Kane as a person. I think he's an a-hole. 
But yeah, he is what he is. That's what he is. You see that guy stick handle when they throw little pucks in the middle and they're like, let's do, let's do a video. You want to talk about content? That man is content. He stick for this moment on this team. Yeah. Who would you rather have this moment on this team for the Paul rest Cotter. of the year? Paul Cotter I would rather have because, okay. first of all, he's cheaper. Second of all, he, him and Jack get along super well. And buzz, third of all, buzz. he's going to give me everything that other people can't. Like, anybody can go and be a goal scorer, and, and not everybody can execute on that. But Paul Cotter is going to give you a full-fledged, full-spectrum effort. So and it's so, history against the present. Yeah, which is fair. Oh, I got to hit the thing. Where's the thing? Where's the thing? <laughs> what are you hitting? I don't know. So I got to do this. is why I'm not meant to be here. This is why I, I got I got I got one. I got my watch going off. I got a video going. I'm trying to prove Tyler wrong and also trying to prove myself right. I got Ed. I, I think you proved me right, though. I don't know. I just I think you did. I don't yeah. think there's right and wrong. There's only discussion. <laughs> there's only discourse, Tyler. <laughs> We're all on the same team, except for Patrick Kane. If they trade away Paul Cotter to get Patrick Kane. What They're not going to do what that. A mistake. They're not going to do I that. I saw, I'd have to go look it up to tell you exactly what it was, but there was a tweet from somebody who uh, like has a Blackhawks blog that was like trying to come up with like realistic trade scenarios. Sure. And it included Keegan Colasar going to Chicago in a Patrick Kane Somebody's going to have to go there. Right. When I'm sitting here telling you it should not be Paul Cotter. Probably shouldn't be Keegan Colasar either. Tune in tomorrow when I give you Keegan Colasar stats compared to Patrick Kane.